offerings of worship for Allison and Zach and leading and uh, everybody who's part of doing all kinds of things every week and serving uh, the body of Christ. Unfortunately, this morning I've got to start off with hard stuff that I would rather not. Um, if you have heard the name of the Southern Baptist Convention in the news this week, it has not likely been for a good reason. Um, for many years, there has been a desire from the local church for our executive committee at, in Nashville, who is accountable to the churches, to um, disclose the names of those who would be caught in sexual improprieties and, and even in abuse situations. The executive committee said that that overshot the autonomy of the local church, that it was the local church's responsibility. The problem was is that they were keeping that list and they were not sharing it. And when abuse happened in churches, it ended up Um, in the last several years, there's been a call from the churches and, the, and at the local level to the executive committee to make this known, find out it is, and what's going on. And in the last week, that was uh, that list was published, and there were more than 700 people on it. Um, scriptures show us, and I shared on Wednesday night with those who were here, that when uh, God's people sin. There's a, uh, a point of corporate repentance that's necessary. And I will tell you, in that, annually, our church conducts background checks on those who work with children, annually. And some people say, why do we have to do it all the time? And this is why. Because, unfortunately, out there in the world are people who do bad things. And so when we get to the point of entrusting our children and, and, and seeking to reach our community, we need to be realize that people must be above reproach. If you have been a child, you know, responsible for children in our church, sorry, my mouth is drying out on this. This is not something I really want to share. But a, a regular policy and something that we do annually is that we hand you a background check form and a code, code of ethics that you are required to sign. Our church, in the time I've been here, and I'm not sure beforehand, but we have actually been requested to help other churches because of our policy. So in a lot of ways, we are doing the right things. And I can say in our church and in the churches in our association that we know of, such improprieties have not taken place. Fortunately, at the state level, there were a few on the list in there in the past that, that had happened, but their, their names were published. Uh, if you sin in private, it gets revealed in public, guys. It's, it's what happens. There is now a policy. I serve currently on the executive board for the Colorado Baptist General Convention. There is now a policy in place that advocates for survivors of such abuse. At the national level, they're working on the response to this, but I can tell you that the local churches are not letting them off the hook. Our churches are not 
accountable and we are accountable to one another and, and because of the autonomy of the church and we partner together in order to reach the world for the gospel reach the world for Christ we partner together as Baptists so that we can be more effective and when there's a level of corruption at the at those, for those that we have entrusted in leadership where it's covered up that's a problem and there's no excuse for it and now that we know about it it's, it's coming out into the light can't say I've been involved in any of that, but I can tell you I've been not a happy camper about this this week, and those who have had conversations with about it know that. We uh, fully support, and I'm making that blanket statement, fully support clear investigations of what's going on and accountability for the sin and the crimes that would be committed. Because you're accountable to God and you're accountable to the law for such things. But uh, I can say with confidence that in my tenure here, and I think throughout the, the, tenure, the history of this, this body, which was formed in 1952, we have not had such improprieties at the criminal level of uh, what we saw in that list of the life. However, because of the corporate nature of sin, people like us have to realize that we need to take responsibility and bring these things to accountability. Does that make sense? So, um, we will advocate advocate for the survivors of such abuse. We will be a place of protection. We will be bold in requiring a lot from those that are in leadership over kids and without apology. I am not apologizing we want to reach our community, we need to be above reproach. And so we know that every human is a sinner. But we are also told to confess our sins and pray for another so that we might be healed. So with that, um, that is not a formal statement. I, well, I suppose it's a formal statement, but I didn't script it. I will say that, again, um, to say I'm angry about what happened is probably an understatement. It is an understatement. Um, when the report came out last Sunday evening, I read about it. I breezed through a lot of it. It's almost 300 pages. And I didn't sleep well. Then I had a meeting in Denver on Monday and we talked about these things. We, as the body of Christ, must not tolerate sin. And when that sin is discovered, we must be called call the sinner into accountability. That's what Christ did. When sin was brought to him, he didn't say, well, I'll go hush it up. No, he said, repent, go and sin. And so that's what we need to do for our convention. That's what we need to do in our state. That's what we need to do for our country. And then as we see the things that have happened and the brokenness that we have seen in these shootings in the last month and being two years since all of the, uh, the George Floyd incidents and the Black Lives Matter movement really gained uh, traction, we need to realize, above all, we need forgiveness and grace. We need the forgiveness of our God. And our Lord. We do need to realize 
that we do sin, and we don't sin on purpose. It just happens. But when we do sin, we need to confess it, we need to come clean, and we are, need to be accountable for it, both on earth and in heaven. So, um, I want to start, I guess, now with the time of prayer, and how far I get through this passage I look through, I suppose, is, is relative to that. But um, if somebody is here who is a survivor of sexual abuse, please know we want this to be a safe place for you to find healing. If you're watching and you're in that same kind of situation, we want to be a safe place for that. We want to bring to account those who have sinned because there, there are sins that are criminal. But we also need to realize that Christ forgave the thief on the cross and we need to do what he called us to in repenting and going So if you're comfortable, uh, we'll have a time of prayer here, and uh, you're welcome to come kneel at the altar. But I think this is the time we should apologize, ask for forgiveness, and to be humbled the fact by the fact that even the the biggest names are sinners. So I'm going to kneel at the altar, and you're welcome to come with me as you do. But spend this time in prayer for, for our church, for our, our convention, for our nation. We are, uh, we are humbled by the need for grace. Father, you are alone worthy of praise. You know all things. In all things, you call us to trust you. We are sinners. We need a Savior. You brought us Jesus, your Son. Lord, for our individual sin now, I pray that we would realize our need for you, that we would confess that to you. I pray, Lord, that you teach us what it means to turn away from that and turn back to you. I pray, Lord, that we would just grow in trust of you. We thank you that you do not neglect those who are hurting. We pray for the victims and survivors of this abuse situation. We pray for your your love to flood their hearts, your grace to reign in their lives. The Lord.
Lord, we know that we need to ask for your help moving forward, for honesty and confessing our sins to a world that needs to see your love and, uh, and accountability. Lord, I pray for each offender. I pray for the things that have been covered up. I pray that they would come to light. I pray for the church of God as a whole, not just our little tribe here, but that those who call on the name of Christ would live lives, as it says in your word, above reproach. That we wouldn't be caught in the trap of sin. Lord, help us to be loving to those who have survived. Help us to call into account and be loving again to those who have committed the crimes. But Lord, we ask for your revival in our hearts that we would uh, return to you. It's humbling to read such things to, uh, to see what's hidden. But we thank you that you bring things to life. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to trust you Galatians chapter 3, where we find ourselves today, and I'm not sure how far I'll get to this, but I think the, uh, the text applies. That's one of my beliefs in life, is that whatever it is, the Bible applies. We are sinners in need of a Savior, and the work of the law the works of the law cannot save us. And in the next couple of weeks, I may come back to this passage a little now because unfortunately I had to address that this morning. But in the next couple of weeks, we really look at what the Apostle Paul says about living by faith, by trusting the Lord. Thankful things that we do cannot save us. And that we have a Savior who gives us salvation. So, Galatians chapter 3, read verses 1 through 9. I invite you to stand as we read those verses together. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, 
and you all shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Lord, we praise you that our salvation comes by faith alone, through your grace. I pray that you would remind us and comfort us that. Well, he starts out kindly in this passage, right? No, he doesn't. Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, plainly stated, it's, this is not kind language. Basically, he's saying, you people are idiots. Now, that's not very nice. And it's not how we want to tell our kids to treat one another, right? But sometimes it's what you need to hear. And this, Paul, just after these amazing verses where he shows us, I have the, the, these passages, verses 19 and 20, you know, the kind of the thesis statement of the entire book of Galatians, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I li now live by live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he, he gives this um, picture of the foolishness of trying to be redeemed by what you can do yourself. And I think, you know, as I began the message today, the time of the message at least, we can see what can happen when we try to justify ourselves. We end up covering up things that never should have happened in the first place. And so when we look at the law, and this being the law, you look at the first five books of the Bible, right? I just started in Deuteronomy this morning in my daily Bible reading, I know, yesterday morning, you know, you've got this much of the Bible to get through when you get through the law. I don't know about you, but that's a lot. Correct? It's a lot there. Paul's saying that if you try to follow all those rules, you're a fool. Now, it doesn't mean that the rules are bad. It means that it's impossible to be saved by the rules. And so Paul now is looking at this passage, and he's saying, do not think that you can save yourself by anything you can do. And the picture that he uses, we've, we've talked about it already, is circumcision. An act on your own body cannot save you. And if you do it in order to be saved, you're basically calling yourself condemned already. And so Peter, who he gets into the argument with in the last chapter, Peter was trying to behave two different ways. He was trying to behave like a Jew in some circumstances and a Gentile in others. And he was trying to impress the Jews, basically, so they would leave him alone. So that they could say, oh, look, Peter's got his stuff together. Paul's calling that foolish. And now he's saying those who try to save themselves are indeed fools. This picture of trying to save yourself, he describes as deception, as spiritual deception, and even demonic. How do we know that? Because of the next line. 
who has bewitched you? It means that you have been fooled by sorcery or tricked in a spiritual way. Basically, you have been deceived by the devil himself. You think you can save yourself. Eternity has another thing coming. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, what does that mean? That means that Jesus himself, being sinless, takes the the blame that we all deserve, the sentence that is death upon himself. That he takes the sin of the world, and those who trust in him believe that he has taken that sin with him. That penalty, that sentence of death. Now, in this flesh, our lives will end. And as a matter of fact, if you are breathing right now, you are in the process of dying. So when we come to this time, we see that God has a different purpose for us. And his life is different than anything we could ever imagine. It is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And in his resurrection, he offers us true life. What is that? It is the Spirit, which Paul speaks of in verse 2. Do you ask me only this? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, the deal is that people go, why do you you guys go to church all the time? Why do you listen to preaching? You know, that guy up there, he didn't even have a good haircut. I worked really hard on my haircut this morning. But it says in his word, we, if we call ourselves people of the book, it says in his word certain things about the word. Romans 10, 17. I was going to put this up there and I didn't, but I can read it to you. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In this way, that's Paul in Romans. Now in Galatians, he says that you come to God because of what you have heard about him and his word in Christ. You are saved because you hear the, and receive the word of Christ. You admit that you are a sinner. You know that you fail him. You know that you need forgiveness. And so you trust Jesus as the sacrifice for your sins. And in that sacrifice, he offers all people forgiveness. But as with any gift, I could have given these Bibles to these these wonderful young men and this beautiful young lady down here earlier, and they could have said, nah, never mind. I don't want it. And that pretty little butterfly bag could have been dropped on the front desk. But she didn't do that. No, you have to receive a gift in order for it to matter. So the gift is sitting there, that gift of grace, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It's sitting there, and it's not something that you can do. It's something that must be received. Are you so foolish? He continues in his argument with the the Galatians here. Having begun by the Spirit, so now you are perfected by the flesh. 
So many, uh, do, do you suffer so many things in vain? Indeed, if it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham, and we looked at that verse last week, Romans, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 15, just as with Abraham, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Salvation. Our saved, our, our, our fact that we can be saved from an eternal damnation in hell is by faith. It's by believing that God has rescued us. The cool thing about Abraham, and we can dive into more of that, and he'll, go, he'll talk more and more about that in chapter 3 here. You can go all the way back into that. Uh, Abraham was counted righteousness, righteous, 14 years before he was circumcised. And another 430 years before the law was written down. So what is it? Are you saved by works? Or are you saved by trusting God? It's always been about faith. It's always realizing that we need help. We cannot do this ourselves. And this moments like this in the life of our nation and, in, and even in our, our tribe and our faith here, we realize that we cannot do this by ourselves. The righteous are saved. So how do you know that you belong to Christ? That you belong to God? Verse 7 share something about that. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham and saying in you all the nations shall be blessed. Now, they didn't have YouTube. They didn't have the word even written down at that point. It was just a promise between a man and the God who he trusted. And friends, we have his word, but that's what it's still about. It's about walking by faith. I can't explain to you why bad things happen except that we are sinners. God wants us to find him, so he sends us his son, Jesus. We find our salvation in him. And this day, in the days ahead, the only thing that we can do about the past is repent. And part of that is confessing. Part of that is making the next good decision. And making choices that bless the Lord. And we might want to cast blame on somebody who is, has done something bad and covered it up, and there's been lots of people who have, who have made lots of mistakes. 
but one sin. One sin brought death. And it wasn't even one of the big ones that we would put on the big list. It was a little white lie. It was an act of disobedience. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. We need God's grace now more than ever. We need to be accountable to one another as a local body. Need those local bodies to, to to work together to hold the church as a whole into accountability, and that's happening. But most of all, we need to realize that God has offered the way of escape through Christ. Now, I didn't dive into a lot of theology on this, and Galatians three is full of a lot of good stuff. But I think it's it's, it's a telling moment for us at this point we look at graduations or we look at the things that, that happen in the world around us, there's one good way forward. And that's to trust Him. So that's the question today. Do you trust Him? We saw a testimony of one of our guys earlier in the video to get lost and all this other stuff. And we didn't want to but hear Jamie's story. Jamie's on his way back from Austin Beebe's wedding right now. Yeah, Austin Beebe got married again. Miracles happened. I got married. Miracles happened. I mean, God is good. But we see testimony of God's faithfulness through the trial. And God doesn't say we're not going to experience hard things. But he tells us to trust him through those hard things. Because he is good. And he is righteous. So this day, who do you trust? You can follow all the rules, but all those rules, you're going to end up breaking one of these days, and we're going to stand before the throne of God, and he's going to say, who do you say that I am? And what was Peter's answer? You're the Christ, the Son. So the question today, as Joshua asked the children of Israel, who Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that you um, bring us peace in a time that we so desperately need it.